Welcome back to the Two Black Runners podcast presented by The Running Report. And you can check us on every single podcast streaming platform and also on The Running Report YouTube channel where you can see our podcast in YouTube form. And I got to say, today we have a really special episode. This past Sunday, we had a special IG Live with the Black Running community. That's what we called it, but I'm changing the name. It's called Running Wild Black. And I feel like that can be a very just powerful statement in the current climate of our country right now. And that's really why we have to make this podcast and have to do that IG Live. Before I get dive more into this, let me introduce the man that really led that whole thing. And that's the brother from the same mother, Aaron Potts. Aaron, how are you doing? What's good, y'all? It's Two Black Tuesday. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My vocals on point, bro. My vocals on point today. I'm hyped <laughs> and I'm excited. Like, bro, we had an amazing. I had an amazing time on IG Live with some Olympic gold medalists, some some silver medalists, some world champions. Uh, yes, yes. Like, it was crazy. It was crazy that we were even able to gather those people to come on and to have them speak on their black experience and really just share their perspective. I mean, it's amazing. So there's a lot in store. If you're listening to this, man, we, this is something special, man. We, we don't really get to do stuff like this all the time. Sure. And I think it's, it's a good learning opportunity for a lot of people. And it's going to provide some perspective that's much needed in a time like this. Yeah, with all that said, bro, I really think you guys need to stick around for this whole thing. And if you guys want to check out like some more exclusive stuff from these five different interviews that we have, you can check it out on our IGTV or our Running Report or our Running Report YouTube channel where you can see uncut videos. But before we get into it, Aaron, just send them off and just tell them who are the five guests that we're having in this podcast. So I just want to say before we get into it, I want to want y'all to just keep in mind, like these people really took time out of their day. These are some some Olympic athletes and they took time out of their day to really share their feelings and their perspective. And I'm just so grateful for that. Um, in yeah. this lineup, we have uh, starting off Corey Carter. Yeah. Uh, if you guys don't know, world champion in 2017 in the 400 hurdles. Tell we them. have world silver medalists. Raven Raven Rogers Come in the on. 800. And then we got uh, Michael Granville. Y'all don't know. Man Myth, legend. Uh, Man Myth and the Legend, 146 in high school, still holds the national record. And then following years. up with that, we have one of the greatest triple jumpers and long jumpers of all time in Kill Will Hill. Clay. This guy has multiple um, Olympic silver medals, world silver medals, and a world indoor gold medal. So, Beast. yeah, you gonna see all you gonna see him and you gonna see him in, in Tokyo too. And to finish it off, we have to finish it with my boy Joe Gazy, the goat, the goat on the mountain, on the ultra, on the roads. He's been dominating from from go look him up on Google from 09 to twenty twenty. This dude don't lose championship races, he but it's the fact that these people came on and shared my experience shared their experience with us i am so grateful and i cannot say again i appreciate you guys so much for coming in and doing that and using your platform to 
keep that conversation going and and push for some change and that's all we're trying to do here i mean like we say we are uh produced by and for the culture and when things like this happen it's that's that when it's time to step up and speak up yeah so go ahead get your popcorn ready sit back relax and just get ready to hear some insightful discussion from this black perspective from these terrific athletes that joined with us thank you guys for joining us on the two black runners we'll see y'all at the end let's just get into it's like how are you feeling this entire week how's your mind been where have you been at um i don't know it's kind of it's it's crazy but it's also kind of normal in that like we deal with this all the time so yeah it's 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 a weird time with the coronavirus and i think like this has created a perfect storm because people aren't working, so they just can go out and protest and people are frustrated. And I think things are finally coming to a head and boiling over. And it's kind of beautiful to see that like people are standing up and they're speaking out and they're fighting for what's right. So yeah. How is this like, has it affected your training or how has it affected like your day-to-day life? Um, it's so funny because like we'll be at practice like twice, two white men have come up to Coach Flo to apologize for racism in general, like don't know him at all. Um, and I was like, oh, like people are shook. Um, I think as black people, we, I, I feel like we have a lot of practice in compartmentalizing things. Yeah. So I'm able to go to the track and do my work, but then I find myself like, I'm not sleeping as much because I feel like my like morning routine routine is like get on twitter and watch these videos um and i don't know if that's good for my mental health or bad she is sleep deprived but i don't know it's just i just feel like the need to be informed and also just like don't want like i don't know how to put it it's like i don't want all, all of this to go on without a way does that make sense so. no i feel you i've been the same, like, I, I mean, I was struggling with sleep like two or three nights in a row. I've been a yeah. couple protests and like this, this one has like affected me like more than the others. And I'm like starting to, I realized that, yeah, like a lot of stuff that just happens to me in general in life, I just kind of like compartmentalized it and pushed it down. And I was thinking like, I mean, I'm 25, like we're, we're somewhat around the same age and I, we're kind of from the same area too. Yeah. And I remember like the, the first one, like that really like got me super shook bad was when like Trayvon Martin, cause Trayvon Martin was 17. That was 2012. Yeah. I was 17. And yeah. then uh, Ahmed Aubrey just happened. He's 25. Brianna Taylor, she's 26. Yeah. And I feel like that's a part of the reason why like everyone is like, over it because like like the young people you're seeing out there yeah brown Hill and I, she was it had been 27 i just turned 28 like our birthdays are the same week and like it's just so close home because she's sitting in her home not doing anything you know and it's just like it could be me it could be you but it, it doesn't like it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be like oh it could have been my mom it could have been my brother like it's a human they're human beings in general like mm-hmm. value human regardless of whether you can make that connection to them or not, you know? Also, I was thinking like growing up in Claremont, Claremont is a pretty like wide area. My brother lives in 
Laverne right now, and he was saying they went, his roommates went to a protest just the other day, and it was very like the police were very intense and yeah, it just wasn't looking good. How was it like growing up in that area? You know, like it was, it wasn't bad. Like Claremont is a very sheltered place. Um, like one of my best friend called me because she just was like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, cause we didn't grow up like that with you know a lot of racial tension. And like, the most you're gonna get are like microaggressions. Um, but that even though I was raised in a predominantly white area, like my parents raised me to know like, hey, like this is the reality of the world that we actually live in. Like don't get it confused you're in a bubble and my parents worked hard to put me in that bubble um to give me opportunities but they didn't shield me from the realities of, like what life was going to be like with the skin that i have did you feel like when, when was the first time you like had like that discussion about race or can you is there a time you can recall or is it something you just you've always had with your family it's kind of like an ongoing thing um and it was like we had talks about the police and it was kind of just something that reoccurred. I, I can't my dad sent me down on this day. Um, yeah. But it was that talk. We had um, the excellence talk. It was, hey, in order to be successful in a world that's not going to have a lot of opportunities for you, you have to be twice as good as your white counterparts. Like, you can't make mistakes. Like, I was raised in a household where excellence was a standard because that's what you have to be in order to be successful. Um, and like having conversations with the, with about, you know, how you interact with police and how people are going to judge you. It's, it's kind of sad that parents have to kind of have this dilemma. Like, do I rob my child of their innocence and, and let them know what the realities of the world is at a very young age and, and expose them to the injustices that, you know, that, that just because they're, they have this skin color, like the world's not a fair place, or do I risk them? getting in situations where they don't understand what the rules of the game that we're playing is, and they might not make it out. So it's like, do I give up their innocence or do I risk them not surviving? Um, because they don't know, like, the game's stacked up against them. Um, yep. So I think black parents have to constantly have these conversations. Uh, I'm also like really happy, like my mom, especially, she'd be like, okay, you like baseball? Like you're playing baseball? We're about to learn about the Negro baseball leagues. You know, you like this yeah. about a black girl. She constantly was finding black role models for me and my brother and my sisters so that we could see ourselves excelling in whatever field um, we wanted to go into. And I think that as black people, we're not taught our history and we don't know where we came from and we don't know we have all these amazing people because we're not in the history books. Um, and I also think that's why there's a lot of ignorance around the Black Lives Matter movement and people are so confused and they don't understand what's going on because, you know, the schools don't teach our troubling past. Like this country was built on the backs of Black people on, on stolen land. And they, the, we don't have conversations like that. And so people are confused when Black people are enraged and it's like, we've been, this has been happening forever for generations so like when it comes to these killings like it's shocking to watch um with these videos you know because it's but it's not shocking to hear about it's like okay here we go again like every year we have to learn a new name every year we're dealing with some sort of injustice um it's just finally it's not on deaf ears and people are listening because you have no other because you're at home all day but 
I think like people have, I think people have been sheltered from the reality of what actually it is to be black in America. Yeah, and I find that very interesting. Me and Josh were talking about it. Like, I think a big thing is that black pe as black people, we have to talk about race so much in our homes. And me and Joshua were just like, bro, we feel like something about race gets brought up. I mean, every every dinner, like whether it's yeah. like something that's against us or like how we can like improve our community because there's so much against us. And I feel like um, where how you were saying like people don't know about the stolen land and stuff, and I feel like it happens in the home. I don't feel like the white the white people have that conversation around race they kind of leave it to the school system yeah because they yeah exactly because they don't have to they have like i'm black 24 7 you know so my parents have to prepare me and explain to me my history and and it's relevant to me you know so they can't just you know have dinner and not talk about these things because it's not going to touch um but yeah but i i think it's been really cool like normally we do have these type of conversations within our community and i feel yeah. like over the weeks i've been having more conversations with my non-black friends my white friends and luckily like all of my friends are writers i have some good, some good people some allies that i am friends with i haven't had to cut nobody off yet yeah but i will be very clear um yeah so it's like i've been so happy that i see my friends on social media and they're speaking out and they're using their privilege to uplift black people and like i haven't like i'll have no all life matter friends so <laughs> we're good Ooh, right yeah because yeah that's a tough one that's a that's a that's a tough little it's not tough. like we can cut it off real quick like oh yeah I, I'm saying it's gonna be tough for them like <laughs> they don't get they don't get roasted but um well it's just like my thing is like if you can't see the Black Lives Matters, like you can't tell me that my life matters and like you can't call yourself my actual friend. And like, I think sometimes people like to box people like that they're close with like, well, you're not like them. It's like, I'm exactly like them. You know, you can't, you can't separate me from. Yeah. And before you, before you go too, how does it feel to be working for Jordan? You guys just committed to donating a hundred million um, to the movement for over the next 10 years. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's great. Like, I feel like I've been so just like over all these companies on like making their, you know, story, social media posts where we support the black community. It's like, okay, like, well, where's, where's the coins? Like, put yeah. your mouth is, but even more so, like, Jordan is a company started by a black man. Our CEO and our president is a black man. Our vice president is a black man. I've been able to interact with our executives and our leadership who are black people. And I think that goes so much more than money. Like we appreciate the money and I, I appreciate that they're committed for the next decade. Like it's like yeah. throwing money at the problem right now, it's off the back. It shows that like they are dedicated to this problem for the long haul. Um, but I think that that money isn't sustainable. Like have jobs are. So having, seeing that they're, you know, not only having black executives, but they sponsor so many black athletes, myself included, when you see their, you know, marketing, they're using black models with black artists. And so they're putting black people in those rooms and also giving black people power so that so when they are in those rooms, they don't feel like they can't speak their voice and opinion. And I feel like I can see that um, Jordan Brand is actually doing the work and it's not just, um, oh, we support the, the black 
Black Lives Matter and we stand with you, but like, I'm all about where is the action. And so I appreciate that the brand is actually like putting the money in, but also giving jobs and voices to black people, so. Yeah, and it's definitely cool to be someone to say that you're you're a part of it as well. Yeah. Like, that's awesome. But I feel like, dude, this that was a fire. That was fire. All of that was fire. Um, I try. I, try. <laughs> I think we went a little over the time plan, but that was. I know I can talk. No, nah, that was that was that was so smooth. Joe, we're gonna try Joe next. We're gonna try Joe again. Hopefully this works this time. If not, we're gonna go. We're gonna go Michael Granville. But Corey, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, happy belated, and then uh, also happy birthday to to Kobe. And I also just wanted to say thank you for having me, and thank you for like creating a platform for us to come on and express ourselves. Like I think your podcast is dope, and I'm just really excited that you're doing this and like creating a space for us to like express ourselves, talk about issues. For sure, because it needs to be done. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like Aja says, necessary. <laughs> Very necessary, bro. Hey, and we got we got a podcast with with Corey coming out soon, so. Wait on it, wait on it. <laughs> All, right, All right, bye. Bye. So Michael Granville, we're about to get him in here. Um, if you guys don't know, Michael Granville, 146. We just did a podcast with him. National record holder. So cousin. Hey, how you doing? Up, so, it's all right now. It's all right now. Thanks for the invitation. Yes, sir. We had to get you on here. So with you, with Michael, I wanted to get you on here, my unk OG. And when I think about you, Michael, you grew up in the 90s in LA. Um, and when was Rodney King? What was that? Was that? 91, 92? 91, when he got beat. Well, that's, you know, as technology started, you know, and uh, you can hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. You're good. Yeah. Um, so just a little backdrop of it, it was um, 1991, I want to say March, and and it was something the first time that we got a chance to see what a lot of our uncles and cousins were saying was happening, what NWA was saying was happening from police brutality, and we seen it on TV. Somebody recorded it and we just seen, you know, just an uh, unfortunate beatdown of an African-American right on the highway. And it was, I was awestricken. Um, and it was one of those cases, one of those situations, just like, okay, finally, we're going to get some accountability, some justice from this. And then the following year, when they were all acquitted, it was, it was just jaw-dropping. And, that, and that's just been something that's been happening over the decades and years before. Yeah, and it's unfortunate to see a good doc. If you guys don't know about the Rodney King riots, go watch LA 92. Oh, yeah. Go oh, yeah. LA 92. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you, too, so, like, when you were growing up, how how did how did race how did you guys talk about race in the home? How oh my, it was a big part of our our, our growing up. My dad would sit me up in the in the room, and we uh, this is back before CDs. We listened to eight tracks, and he put Malcolm X in there, and we would listen to everything he was talking about. Um, and you know, we had Martin Luther King. We turned the other cheek. We had Malcolm X. It's just like you know, by any means necessary. And so, and he let us. He he brought it to us attention. I know Corey was saying, you know. At what point does uh, you let your kids know with the innocence of being a kid where we don't have that fortune to, to be innocent as a kid? Because, you know, I forget the name of the young boy they shot just for playing a gun. I, I just recently, yeah. my kids, um, 
last year, my son uh, was playing with a with a, a stick that looked like a gun, and I was so scared. And I had to tell him down right there. He's like, "Dad, it's just a play gun." I said, "But people don't see it that way." And I I, I just say, I, I pray to God, please don't don't even play around with guns. If you do, just do it inside the house because I don't want any mistakes. So that my dad get instilled that into me. And um, yeah, Tamir Rice, thank you. Yeah, and and it's 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 something that's unfortunate but it's it's uh something that we have to tell our kids to stay alive and uh yeah i wanted to talk to you too since you have you have kids of your own now so you've seen like you've been raised you've been raised by your your dad raised you and now you're raising yeah. your kids like like how is it now you're are you, you're looking at everything and you're like as even more like scared because you're like i've seen all this and this is what my dad had to teach me how do you translate mm -hmm. that to your family now uh, brutally honest, brutally honest with them. You know, we, we have good times and I've worked, I worked my butt off to uh, give, provide them a life that's better than mine as far as financially, as opportunity wise. Um, and, and just, and just, but on the other side, flip side, you know, you know when, when this happened and they're seeing me cry, you know, it's just that why you're crying. It's like, there's, it's happening again and it's just worse. And so I just sit them down and they, they, we went on a peaceful march on yesterday and on the ride there, I was just giving them knowledge of, of how this uh, this unconscious bias that they have. And this is, I'm just talking about the armed or the police department. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to get into, you know, the, to me, I think, you know, racism happens all the time. Unconscious biases, stereotypes, kids in the playground can be rude, but it's not a, a threat until it's, it's, the, it's somebody that has authority over you where racism really hurts. And so I let them know the story about, uh, um, the brutality what police was, was was erected for was to keep control over slaves and the people of color and our color, skin color is a direct target of keeping us down i mean you i've had, had clients that say they've you know crossed over the border from canada and white they don't say anything you got kids coming from mexico but you can see their colors you can easily target them and we as black people are our target and so i let them know i said get home safe you know, uh, my dad told me, he says, police are not your friend. You know, they ask you a question, they're probably trying to set you up for something. So there's times I wouldn't even, if I see a cop to this day, I just keep my head straight, no eye contact. And this is stuff that unfortunately that I have to tell my kids too. Take your hood off when you're going outside. Uh, uh, when you get to go straight there, come straight back. If any cop comes to you, you, you utmost respect, even to the point where I have to get my chest up and look at them in the eyes and says, no, this is how they go come at you. Can you keep your sick? Can you keep your calm? Can you say yes, sir? You know, and 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 that's what we unfortunately that's what we have to do. And how old are your kids? My uh, oldest son is twelve, going on thirteen. That's Isaiah, and Noah is uh, nine, going on ten. And I have and a baby girl, but a baby girl. Yeah, and to have a thirteen-year-old right now at that age, when they're killing when they're killing twelve-year-olds, they're claiming twelve-year-olds look like grown men at times. So and, yeah, there was a. There was a client of mine whose uh, whose father father was a is a cop. Um, I respect a respected gentleman. He's a retired police officer, and as he was training, he was talking. It, you know, at the time he was telling me, he goes, "I don't know what's happening with these kids when they turn 12." He says they they feel like they can talk, you know, to a cop, and I have to really put them in their place. I was looking at him, I was like, "What? They're 12?" Yeah, and he says, "You know, there's a so he's telling me, you know, really make sure." You talk to your boys because there's something at that point where things happen. They don't have their father with them, uh, and then they they get with the wrong crowd. 
And then that's when the cops come involved and we have to, and I was listening to them and I said, this is probably a reason, you know, it's a perpetual, just thumb on your back. And we, we look at uh, George Floyd, that's a, he's a father that's not around. And that's that perpetual cycle of, of not having a father being involved uh, and fighting, fighting back. So um, I think this is, this is going to be some change, but uh, the conversation I had with them yesterday was definitely I my nine-year-old he's you know he's he's fun loving he's not really hitting it hard he helped me make that that poster back there but he's a good artist he's aware of it that way and I'm teaching him through art to, to be speaker for himself and, and love his love his color yeah I would say yeah for me growing up my dad he would I remember my dad showing me James Brown like I'm black and I'm proud as a kid mm -hmm. like, same thing with like teaching me about Malcolm X, he taught me like why my last name is Potts. I was like, why is it X? It's like, yeah. well, when you come here, you get the last name of your slave, slave owner. Yeah. So that's why my Same with Granville. And I was like, oh, wow. Like I, I learned that, like I had to be like under 10 when I was, yeah. when I was learning all these things about like the Black Panthers and like all, all, of, like, all of that stuff, MLK, like, I had all of that and I, yeah, I just really feel like that's missing on the other side for some people and it's, they feel like it's a, it's just, they have the privilege of not, of not talking about having to talk yeah. about it, but we need them to yeah. talk about it. And that's one thing that's happening right now. Unfortunately, it took the life of another African-American to, to spark this conversation. But um, just like Corey was saying, we're start, I'm starting to get random people, you know, coming up and apologizing this for, for the first, you know, I'm crossing the street a car was stopped a half a mile away. Just say, go ahead, you're free to go. Like, I, and you know what, I, I, I see at this point, embrace it. We, we have our white brothers and sisters now awake. Embrace the love that they're giving you. Embrace the conversation that they're asking for. You know, um, I, I made a post on Facebook, which was something I really needed to make um, about um, the hit, the, it was the day of my uh, anniversary of my record, uh, the 800 meter high school record. And I woke up that morning, not wanting to celebrate it being a black man running in this country can be a death sentence, you know, and a lot of people can't go out in the streets and do that. And this has been twice in my life where I was running down the street and got stopped by a cop asking why I was running, you know, and I don't, I don't get a chance to run with my stats on my shirt, except for right now, you know, but I don't get a chance to run with my stats on my shirt and say, Oh, you cool. You know, but a lot of, you know, a lot of people don't make it out of that situation. And yeah, but before we let you go to like, like, what do you think, from what you've seen in your entire lifetime, what is the biggest difference that we're seeing right now uh, with these protests? What, what, why does this one feel so different? Oh, um, or does it? No, it felt different, man. It felt different. Uh, the duration, the duration. I think before, I mean, Rodney King was the duration. That that's why that one sparked. You know, there's been other ones. It's it's kind of sucked that you have to divide which one's worse. They're all horrible, but. The duration and seeing George Floyd under there begging for his mom, seeing him pissing on the everything that you can see, we all seen in that video. And the duration of it was what was the final straw. We're all quarantined. We're in the house. There's nowhere else to go. So a lot of times people can be distracted with work or, or, or life and, and, for, and not see it. But we were all at home and didn't have anywhere else to watch but that lynching on TV. And that's, I think, would make this one spark yeah and and how long it took for them to get arrested yeah 
I, I remember at the protest, we, we were like lay on the ground for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And I'm like, no, I have my it's arm tough. like this. And I was like, yeah. I can barely keep my arm no. up. Yeah, it's it, that's I think that was the breaking point. That was that was the one that that triggered the, the nation across color lines to say, hey, this is not right. And we need we need to protest. And then here we are now. Yeah, but Mike. Change's going to come. Change's going to come. Yes, sir. I changed my generation. Or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for coming on, bro. Super appreciate it. We're going to see more of you, big uh, unk. But yes, I'm sir. Try yes, sir. We're going to try you again, bro. We're going to try and get Joe. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Aaron. You're doing a good thing for us, man. Appreciate you. You're welcome, man. Peace. All right. About to get Raven Rogers in here, world silver medalist. If you guys don't know. Hey. What's good? How you doing? How you doing? You got your water. You like? I need some water. I got me some water too. Yeah, bro. We we really we've been talking in here for a minute. We've been talking in here for a minute. My roommates, I heard them. They're like water, and they ran in and just <laughs> handed me one. It was funny. It was funny. <laughs> but let's just hop into this. Yep. You guys don't know Raven Rogers, 800, 800, 402. Catch her in the 4x4. She nice with it. But basically what I want to talk to you a lot about, uh, Raven, is your IG post. Mm -hmm. um, so you, had a, you had an IG. Or do you want to just you want to share the story for everyone? Yeah. Sure. Okay. So can you hear me really clear? I just want to be sure. Yeah. Okay. So just long story short, um, I live in a complex where essentially you're paying for that extra security to have a front desk person, right? And there was a situation where the fire alarm was pulled and I was just a little confused as to why wasn't there any notification about there being an intruder on the property. I look outside, there's ladies outside spraying the fire extinguisher, just crazy stuff so then the police are called the front desk person tells me to make me aware you know like hey um this person the police are coming up to your floor so i'm in my house at this time and i was on the phone with my mom and my aunt the whole time and then next thing you know i'm looking because i hear them coming on my floor i'm looking through the people and i see how you know, they're on the floor. Next thing you know, there's like, oh, I hear them say like, this is the room. And I was really confused because I'm like, okay. And they bang on the door and I'm like, I'm already at the people. So you can imagine like, I'm kind of froze, you know? And so just them banging on the door, I'm confused. I open the door and he's in a stance, you know, he's like this, like has the gun pointed right at me. And I'm, I immediately out of survival skills, just start screaming like, what are you doing? Like, you have the wrong person. I've never been so scared in my life. I was embarrassed. And I was embarrassed because it was all men, you know, as firefighters, just all men. So I was embarrassed how bad I was shaking. Um, and then there was no apology. He didn't, he started asking questions after. He said, do you know what she looks like? And I'm like, so you pull a gun on me without knowing how the actual intruder looks. I'm in my own home and then you ask questions. And so after that, um, you know, it's not always easy to 
get through something without i'm shaking out it's not always yeah, easy no. to get through something especially when you don't have an apology and that's that's something that um is happening a lot is that we aren't seeing apologies for all of these traumatic experiences that are happening due to racism um so that's really what happened yeah and it's definitely when someone is trying to invalidate your feelings because um we never really i mean america really has never done done right by black people or just everything and i liked how you in your video you touched on you touched on trauma and how you touched on trauma and how like if you have something like that like because corey said it already like we as a people we've learned to compartmentalize these things and right. shut it down and, and not think about it and i know for myself personally with everything that just happened i felt like and i watched her video and after that i remember i was talking to my grandma and she was like just like telling me she was like praying for black men and like and she was like crying and just talking about like you know they used to lynch them back in my day and stuff and i was just like this is crazy like this is generational trauma mm -hmm. that we're feeling like this comes all the way from like our ancestors and i've been telling everyone like for me like this whole thing has like lit a fire in me like i'm definitely exhausted and tired but it's listening to fire in me it means like not only help the younger generation but i really want to do it for like my grandma like mm -hmm. my parents were out marching i'm like that makes me really mad you know i'm like why are they marching like because they already been through all this like right and to see it happen again like so like yeah like when when you feel it's just like the harassment feeling like when you feel that like how you're saying you feel embarrassed like you like so many people in your line have felt that you know and it, it's crazy like yeah the piece the uh, ptsd it's yeah it's wild it's really sad and after watching the other two you know corey and michael um i really thought about just the fact i remember i was asked this question earlier about you know when is the earliest that i've experienced kind of like a racist encounter um and i had to reflect because i really thought about it now, i've been in um a lot of i've been a minority in a lot of situations i went to a bilingual dual language academy from first to eighth grade i went to a private school in high school so i it's easy to make things less than what they are because i'm so used to being comfortable being the minority so it yep. doesn't affect me as much but it does affect me and it's made me so this whole everything especially after that encounter has um made me so aware so as i reflect i remember being in high school taking a genealogy class and um because i i love talking to my grandma and once you know when my grandpa was alive hearing just family you know what were their moms like what was their dad like what was what was their grandparents and that's what grandparents are there for and i remember taking this class and i remember um i couldn't trace i could only trace back to a certain part you know because as you know slaves records were burned and i remember this one kid was like yeah you know, I was related to King Henry VIII, and we had to make a presentation about what we yep. found in genealogy class. And so I just have my grandma as the source for what, what was after, what was before her. And that's, and it's sad, you know, that we won't 
uh, some most of us won't have that further understanding of the people that make us our family you know um without where it stops which is our grandparents no yeah definitely it's definitely sad and it and it affects you and also touching on what you're saying about like being the only i myself have just being a black distance runner and, and i grew up like in a diverse area and i'm i'm dark i'm i'm dark dark you know so like when i was thinking about like i kind of did that same thing because i was thinking about like the trauma and stuff and i was like man i really like low-key compartmentalized like a little a lot of stuff and learned how to deal with it because like being like just dark-skinned growing up in elementary school like i've been called like ugly just because i'm like dark mm. and, like made fun of and stuff but eventually i mean i was raised by like amazing amazing parents amazing loving parents that cared about me and like my mom is a beautiful black queen i know i'm beautiful because she raises me you know what i mean take a queen yeah. away the queen, you know so yeah. i know i'm beautiful but <laughs> i just felt like I just felt like this, it reopened a bunch of wounds. Like, it just made me think about, like, when that stuff, someone said, like, a side comment or, like, some joke, you know? And I'm just like, man, that's not cool, bro, that I had to, I, that's, that's what I had to deal with as a child. Like, imagine your kid coming up to you and being like, hey, why, why are they making fun of me? Because I'm, because I'm dark and, like, mm -hmm. that stuff. Like, I, I acted like it didn't, like, hurt my feelings or anything in the moment. I was just like, oh, it's whatever. But, like, that's it. That did hurt me. It did hurt me, bro. And it's, and it's okay to tell people. And I feel like even as, like, Black men, and what I observe, because I don't know for facts, and hopefully you can help me on this, is that, you know, you, you, you're kind of raised in some instances. Some people are raised to not say when something hurts their feelings. And it's okay for you. It's okay to say and tell somebody, you really hurt my feelings by doing this because if you don't if you don't show that vulnerability vulnerable you know what I'm saying, vulnerability then they're not going to understand that how you're affected by what they're saying and that they're going to continue it you know and like like i felt like one thing i said about like like for me like when i think about like this trauma the trauma aspect i'm gonna go back to i was like well if i want to fix this trauma the first step is like recognizing it and then being proactive Mm -hmm. about addressing it like mm -hmm. when something happens to me and i go home and i'm like dang like that was really terrible but i'm so mad or like i feel embarrassed i feel harassed it's like oh i'm carrying this trauma but mm -hmm. it's like the same thing with like this racism like this is a racist country we were born into a racist country so i like this anti-racist sentiment because we have to be continually proactive to break down this racism because it is ingrained in our society right Right, and and I feel like the thing I was talking to a friend about that I, I think is stemming change and is stemming um, a different result as opposed to the result of riots, you know, the Rodney King riots and just the ones previous before that, Martin Luther King marches. I think the difference that will bring change in why our protests are so diverse, um, it's not just all black people on the line that's out there walking. It's, it's diverse because everyone is upset about this. And I think what Michael is saying is that we're at a standstill because we're in quarantine. You know, the pandemic is still happening. But also, um, like, with, this is this is something that we should have been kind of addressing. Like, yeah. you know, this is something that 
social media because we because we're sitting still in social media runs the generation in my sister's generation who's 16 and the one after that there's more exposure to what's actually happening and things are happening quicker because before you had to have a pigeon and a bottle and a messenger you know, if you heard about it, you heard it, but now you're getting facts and you can't say you're not seeing what's happening with your own eyes. So That's you saw what happened. It's about what you what you trying to do and how you're feeling in response to what your eyes are showing you, you know? And that's why social media is really I feel like it's really driving all of the action and we, we might have a different result maybe five years later. Yeah. Oh so and that yeah, that when I talked to my grandma too, she was like, back in the days, they had the lynchings. We didn't see them though. Yeah, you heard about them. We heard about them. We didn't see them. We yes. didn't start seeing them until 91. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. When That's phones crazy. and digital and everything is, is out. Yeah. But thank you. Thank you, Raven, yes. for sharing thank your story. Thank you for using your platform. Um, I, I just I just hope that more blessings and greatness your way. Um, I really do thank you for doing this, and it makes you know you have to be a brave person to be able to do something like this. So hey, well, I, I I appreciate you, but yeah, thank you for just coming coming on. But this is what had to be done. So mm -hmm. this, we gonna we can normal we gonna normalize this. You know, we gotta That's talk it. about it. Yes, yes, yes. It, we ain't we can talk about it. It's all good. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'll catch you later, Ray. Thank you. We're gonna get Will Clay in here. What up? What up? What up? How you doing? I'm good, but how are you? I'm great. I've been having a great time talking to my beautiful black brothers and sisters. It's been tight. Yes, sir. It's definitely dope. But Will Clay, man, if you guys don't know Will, man, this dude, one of the best triple jumpers of our era for show him and christian taylor i mean you guys are the guys and what i love about will clay is bro you do it all man you got the fashion you got you got your music like like that's 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 dope but one thing when i thought about you when i was looking into you is your music and your faith but also what interested me about you and your your family you said is from sierra leone right yeah, yeah. All my I'm actually a first generation um, born in America. All my family was born in Sierra Leone besides me. So for you, was it was it any different? Um, like the talks about about race because your your family came here um, to somewhere for some opportunity, and mm -hmm. to see you got to see like how Americans treat people that look like you. Did you ever think of it like that or? Yeah, yeah, because it it um it happened, you know, to my parents and it happened to me growing up, you know. So it was never really um a talk like this is how you're gonna be treated or that, you know. It was it was experiences, you know, more mm -hmm. so. And uh, we would talk about the experiences that we had, you know, as a family, um, dealing with racism, you know, like us going out to eat or or whatever it may be, like. And uh and and it was it was a it was racism, but at the same time you could tell that my family when we when we moved around, you could tell we were from Africa. So yeah. it was that on top, like you know what I mean, of being black, it was like, oh, they're African too. 
you know, like, so there, like, at that time, um, Africans were seen as like, okay, this is like the, the 25 cents a day commercial, like, that was what you, you know, you, like, Africans were um, known for at the time. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I experienced growing up. And, you know, I, I, just to be honest, it hasn't changed. Nothing has changed, you know, from back then to now, nothing has changed. Um, literally nothing has changed for centuries, you know what I mean? And we're still dealing with this today, you know, as far as, uh, as far as being mistreated by our system as a whole, um, we are going through the same fight that Martin Luther King went through um Malcolm X um you name it we're going through the same fight that slaves went through you know when yeah. they brought on ships to America we're going through that same fight today and um it we'll get into that we, we're getting I'll, I'll, I'll let you <laughs> you know what I'm saying but that that's my answer as far as that but uh yeah I, I, that's that's how I dealt you know with it. it was never a talk um it was more so just like an experience and um a lot of times my parents kind of wanted to guard me from it too like i would just overhear them talk about it they didn't kind of they didn't really want to have that conversation with me yet as a as a child but um you know i overheard it and uh obviously i was there to experience it with them knew it, where they were coming from do you did you feel like or do you feel like they were they were surprised by what they were seeing when they moved here or how uh, old were they when they moved here uh my mom my mom was in her 30s, I want to say, early 30s. She moved out here to get her doctorate. My mom got a doctorate uh, degree at University of Arizona, and that's where she had me. Um, she went to Reading in, in the UK first, and then she came to the United States to get her doctorate and uh, had me. And um, I don't think they were surprised by uh, acts of racism towards them. I think it was a thing that where it's like, this is this is the system that we're in and it's a sad thing. And um, I, I also feel like they were appreciative of um, opportunities in America, but at the same time, they knew it wasn't for them. It, the, the, it, it wasn't really made for them, but um, with their knowledge, the, the knowledge that they had gained um, from numerous degrees and things like that, they knew that there was a place for them in in this society but um they weren't I, I shouldn't say they weren't needed but they weren't wanted they weren't really wanted but they were needed for their for their knowledge and their peace yeah and yeah how do you i would say like me I, I i'm christian as mm -hmm. well as i was raised and i'm trying i'm trying to get deeper and deeper into my faith and i, yeah. and I feel like Right now, I mean, I feel like black people always have to, but I still, I feel like we're, we're, we're starting to see these white allies and you may have like, I've had people contact me and like say sorry about things and stuff like that. Um, but I also feel like we have to, as black people, we have to lean into, into forgiveness so we can, I don't so we can like come together. Cause yeah, like, how do you feel? How do you feel like your faith has helped you, like just deal with any type of, I don't know, just the um, acts that have happened to you over the time. 
the Bible says to hate what is evil. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I believe that the way we've been treated is evil, and I hate that, and I can't stand for that, and I don't really. I obviously, obviously, yeah, you, you, you. You have to forgive, you know, and, and you know, the Bible says somebody slaps you on one cheek, you turn your other cheek, you know. You run out of cheek. <laughs> but, but, yeah. <laughs> you only got two. But it's, but it's like, um, they did, they did that to Jesus. They hung, they hung Jesus on a tree. You know what I mean? Lynched. Jesus was lynched. That was the equivalent of being lynched back then. You know what I mean? And so, I just, I just, it's hard for me, man, as a Christian man, it's hard for me to not um, have anger. It's hard for me to not have uh, rage or, or want to see revenge or whatever it may be. Um, and, and I battle that too, just like you, bro. Like, you're not the only one. I'm telling you, I'm going through the same no. thing as you. I feel and like, or go ahead, let me let you finish. I'm trying. I'm trying to, to be forgiving and I'm trying to, uh, to but but if we're talking about someone saying they're sorry, um, there has to be repentance, okay? And repentance means that you don't what you what you apologize for, you don't do that anymore. And we're not seeing that. We're just getting the oh sorry, and then things keep happening again and again and again and again and again. Oh, sorry, we protest. We're good for a little bit. Then it happens again. And that's not, that's not true repentance. You know, that, that is just, uh, uh, like, a, it's just like a quick coddle, like, okay, yeah, sorry, baby. Like, yeah, I just killed one of your people, but you know, we apologize, you know, and then you start to feel better because who, who we are, we're forgiving as, as people. And so we're like, all right, yeah, they really, you know, they're really for us now, man. We we made some traction, like we're we're, we're getting better, we're moving, we're moving forward, and then boom, again. And it's like, dang, like I thought we was, I thought Martin Luther King and everyone in the past thought they did that for us to be where we are today. We having the same conversations right now that they were having back then, you know what yep. I mean? So it's like, we're not seeing we're not seeing a change, and 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 we have to know that the system is not for us. It wasn't built for us. When this, when the laws that we live by were written by people that, no, no one that had anything, anything to do with the laws that we live by right now are alive. And they all were racist. Did the protest feel different to you? Uh, no. It doesn't. It does not feel different to me. I don't. I don't think that. Uh, like my wife. My wife went to a protest. Um. She went to a protest uh last week. Um, with with her friends, and they were screaming and and you know and saying their their piece and saying what they wanted to be heard, and um, soon after that, they were sprayed with tear gas. And everyone ran. And it was like, you leave from there and you're like, okay, like, what did I really, who did I influence? Who did I, 
who did who did I really like leave an impression on with what I said? And it's hard to really to to really know like what what effect was really made, you know, in that sense. And it's like trying to go to the oppressor and be like, please, 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 like just understand you guys are wrong and change, please, so that we can be as powerful as y'all. They looking at us like, <laughs> why? Why would we do that? We're we're great. We're in a great position. We're above y'all. Why would we why would we give y'all the power to be equal with us? That's never what we were here for. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. it's tough to think about the protests and it's like, um, I I can't really I'm I'm not against protesting. I think that there's a place for it. But um I I don't feel like uh real real change. Not even change. It's not even about change at this point. It's about building for our own. You know, it's not even about build. It's not even about change anymore. There's nothing to change. It's 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 an actual whole re or not even rebuild, but just building of 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 African American people in America. That's it. Do you think that's actually actually possible in America? Yep, I do like it's going to take a lot of organization it's going to take a lot of unity and it's going to there's going to be a lot of bloodshed um it it may be it may be a it may come out to be a war but um we've been at war we just didn't know we just didn't know who we was at war with but we've been at war we just don't have <laughs> we we just ain't like been in, we ain't have poor mindset, but they've always been at war with us. From Black Wall Street being bombed to George Floyd being killed, that's those are those are acts of war. Those are acts of war, bro, against Black people. So we have always been in war with them. You know what I'm saying? But it's like. Like you said, we're forgiving. We're like, oh no, you know, we just gotta talk to them and say our piece. They'll understand. Mm -mm. That's not that's not happening. You know what I mean? So I think it's gonna have to come down to us really organizing our own. Um, not this, and this is, and this doesn't. I'm not even trying to put down white people. I'm not putting down white people. I'm just saying what they have is for them and. What and we need something for us. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm honestly like, yeah, the sentiments of what you're saying, I've thought of all of those things, learned them through teachings. I mean, yeah, I'm hoping it doesn't have to end, 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 end bad, but like, yeah. we, you know, <laughs> we, we don't, this has been happening for too long, so. Oh, yeah. It's been it's happening for too long. Yeah, man, it's been happening too long, and I think our generation is gonna be the generation to change it. So, most yeah. definitely, I put it online, man, for sure. And I'm always here to support y'all, man. Whatever y'all need, you know what I'm saying. I'm always here. I'm this my first time meeting you, but too, I'm all for what y'all got going on, man. So you just always you just let me know whatever it is you need for me. For sure, for sure. We'll be we'll we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk soon. We'll tap in. Yes.
we got, <laughs> we got it to work. People are probably watching this and they don't understand why I'm so happy about that. Like we tried like 10 times and it did not work. So man, I'm happy this worked. Man. Me too, me too, me too. We yeah. Have, we gotta get you on here, bro. I'm, I'm yeah. Nice, but hang, honestly, this has been, this has been tight. Like we've been on this for almost over an hour. Just yes, that's dedication, man. For real, I mean, I'm having fun. Like you guys are all pretty easy to talk to, so I like, I like, I like doing this stuff. This is what I do. Well, first, no, I wanted to give you and your brother your roses on um, why y'all can still smell them, and just say, you know, I appreciate what you guys are doing, how, what you guys are doing with your website and with your media content. Um, how you guys are, you know, with this debt today, amplifying the voices of Black athletes. Um, I speak a lot about the lack of diversity in my sport, specifically in trail running. There's also a reason for that, which I say is a lot of it has to do with the media. I don't want to say it's all their fault because it's not, but they do play a part in that. And I just wanted to say, you know, I appreciate what you guys are doing because you guys are adding that diversity to the sport and it's necessary and it's needed. And so thank you for that. I just wanted to say that first off. Yeah, and we, me and Joshua were talking about Off Wax, how like, how like in this chat we have so many like champions and record holders but it's like we know a lot of people know or like know more about personally like personality wise people know more about like morgan mcdonald than they do raven rogers and she's a world silver medalist you know and it's just like we don't see we don't see our sprinters personalities highlighted like we do these distance runners and that's partially because these media outlets who are they who are they ran by you know and right that is a part a part of the problem and that's that's a big reason why we started the running report right nah man that's what's up man we appreciate you for sure but one thing that's so the first time i heard about you was was through the hoka commercial the time for a change campaign okay yeah and i saw that and i was hyped i was like yo i was like hey they got a black guy like the <laughs> message like diversifying the trail i was like that's tight bro like that's cool like especially like me and joshua always say whenever we see a, another black distance runner out there like we'd be like let's go like hey we got another one <laughs> there's not many but no one thing i, I want to just we'll just start off with this like so when that came out i was like one of my friends were like hey like people were kind of like going kind of hard on this guy in the comments oh yeah yeah this is one of the comments. Oh, I'm just gonna. This is pretty straight up. I I have this comment down. I'm, I'm gonna read this to you, and I want to hear what you guys say. So, All right. it says, uh, this it said, Joe Gray, if you want people to perceive you as a great athlete, then stop marketing yourself as a black athlete. I cannot believe that Hoka has agreed to post this video. As far as this, I can't believe that Hoka has agreed to post this video. As far as I am concerned, Kipchoge is the fastest man on earth and he's respected for his efforts. At the same time, he's not white. Stop victimizing yourself and get on with your life. <laughs> um, you want me to respond to that, I'm sure. I I'm just so, saying a lot of people feel like that. Why no, so so let's let's start. Let's 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 get the record straight. Um I have had a long career. I've not been talking about race. I haven't been talking about me being a black American, nothing like that. I had a lot of stats stacked up before that. It was not about me being black. 
But I did point out the fact that when I was the first black athlete to accomplish certain things, because that is necessary to promote, promote that next generation of young minorities who need somebody who looks like them and they need something to, you know, aspire to. So I felt that that was important to say, you know, when I was the first black American to win the mountain running championships, that's a big deal. And I want other young black kids to understand, like, it's not just a white sport. Anyone can do it. And there's opportunities there for you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, basically, that's all I have to say to that person, uh, you know, when they compare when they're comparing me and say uh, Kipchoge, there's there is a big difference. You know, Kipchoge is on the roads. You know, there's not as much of a disparity on the roads. So it's a what big is there this stigma that like. Like that line about Kipchoge, I was like, that's that's irrelevant. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He runs road races, so and we're not talking about the same thing. I'm gonna say, dude, Joe, I, I've been straight up on runs. Like, I'm, I'm for in case someone didn't know, like, I'm just African American. Like, I don't know what country I'm from in Africa. I've been on, I've been on runs, just on a run, normal, and people have stopped me and been like, "Hey, <laughs> what country are you from?" <laughs> I, oh, my first day in college. In college, my first week at my college, I'm sitting in my, I was sitting in my room after a run and someone came in there and they started talking to me. They're like, wow, I'm surprised you could speak English. Oh man. People have been like, people have asked me, what tribe are you from? So there's like this stigma with black, with distance running that you, like all black Americans, we're, we're just, we're just sprinters, you know? And like, I felt like when I was in club too, they were like all the, the the white kids run distance you know right and when i see this comment when she said the kipchoge thing i was like what are you talking about like like well you know it goes back to a lot of what we're seeing today, a lot of what we're seeing today right when you have somebody who is pushing a racist agenda or they have hatred in their heart against somebody because of the color of their skin when statistics are available, when there's any kind of a case that's showing that there's racism, they will give part of the information and spin it to reflect their views. So, you know, for example, Kaepernick, right? The kneeling, right? People today, everyone pretty much knows why he's kneeling. If today you are still saying, oh, he's disrespecting the flag, that's why he's doing it. You are clearly trying to distract everyone from the message and distract them from what's being presented because you know that that has power and that has the power to change and it has the power to influence people away from your ideals. And so it's the same thing with this person, right? Hoka does this video, we're using this to inspire that next generation of minorities. And of course they pick out something that has nothing to do with it. You know, it's, it's a, it, they pick out um, a topic of conversation that is not even related to what I'm talking about. And a lot of it is, they looked at the map. I can tell you exactly what it is. We're in the generation of people just reading 20 words, reading Twitter. They get their news from Twitter or quick blurbs. She read the, the, the message or she watched the video for 10 seconds because maybe she ha she doesn't have a, enough intelligence to watch the whole show or to watch the whole video or enough um, patience uh, or maturity. And so then you just quickly make a, a comment about it without actually knowing what you're talking about. Um, and we've all done it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm not saying she's the only one who's done it. I've probably done it a million times too in life. But, um, you know, with a topic like this, it's probably best if you, you look at the full picture before you comment.
and then when you so when I reach you like that, a comment like that, or when you see a comment like that, like, did, how does that make you feel? Like, did, did you flinch on that, or did it upset you? Or are you used to it? I mean, you know, this is the thing, man. Um, I've heard a couple of other guys talking and heard you talking to other people. And, you know, I've done a lot of reading myself about past, you know, revolutionaries, people who are trying to make change in politics, uh, white and black, Hispanic, Asian. And one thing is for certain, whenever you are rocking a boat, whenever you are trying to make a change, um, people are not going to like that. And they're going to have something to say. And so it just comes with the territory. I understand people aren't going to like it and they're going to say they're going to try to defame your character or whatever. And it's cool with me. I don't care. I'm happy in life. Like you can say what you want to say on your keyboard. It don't bother me. Like I'm happy with what I got in my life and um, you know what I'm trying to do. If you don't like it, you can turn your head or not. But I'm still going to do what I got to do. If, if this is what I, I have a passion for, Project Inspire Diversity. I have a, a passion for um, improving diversity within trail running, and you know I have a passion for um, ridding uh, systematic racism in our country. So. I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. You could say what you wanna say. Yeah, and that's amazing. But how does it feel like Hoka just Hoka just announced like they're supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. They've donated five hundred thousand NCAA NCAA CP on uh, among Black Lives Matter, among um others as well. I mean, as you know, I work for Hoka as well, and that for me yeah. that made me feel like very like it made me feel like a little bit more comfortable because like like you were saying um in the past i've seen you you talk about like how you feel uh, you felt weird about talking about certain things because you felt like you're gonna get dropped by some sponsor or something how does it feel right. like i think it's awesome that like i'm one running report with another hoka uh, i'm a hoka employee with a hoka athlete and we're out here and we're just talking about talking about race like no holds bar like i'm not afraid that my job's on the line right um <laughs> i can say this uh i'm not surprised that hoka is you know in support of black lives matter because just like you you probably met a lot of people at the at the headquarters and i think the people inside the company that's what really makes the, the company it's not the brand hoka it's the people inside and they create the image you know they create the relationships and uh you know i don't want to put people on blast but i know there's a couple of them i think they're they're okay. here they're here on the on the chat and they know who they are but um you know they're in support of equality um they know they you know they're woke they understand there are problems in our country racially and they're not afraid to talk about it themselves uh even on their public forums and um so to see that the company was um in support of this is is huge for me as, as a black athlete and 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 you know, I've been I've been a, a professional athlete for many years, so I've seen how being a black athlete has disadvantages when you're talking about running at a professional level uh, in this in this country, especially as a trail runner. And to have that support is like priceless. Um, you know, I've not really had that in, with other sponsorships, um, but you know, w when we're talking about footwear sponsors, but um, yeah, man, you can't you can't beat that type of support. And then on top of that. I remember I went to them with my idea for Project Inspire Diversity, and I was thinking they're probably going to be like, nah, that's, we don't really want to support that. But I had those initial talks with them, and they were all about it. And I was like, man, this is crazy that, that I'm getting this kind of support to do something like this. And, to you know, it's with a brand that I love the product, too. Um, 
And you can't beat that as an athlete. You can't. Yeah. When you have that kind of support, it's hard to find that, especially in today's world. But I think we hit it. I think we hit it all. I think that was that was yes, sir. I'm happy you finally were able to get this to work. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us on this special Two Black Runners podcast, Running Wild Black, Aaron Rudd. That was great bro first off great job aaron bro that was there were some tough spots if you guys were joining us on ig live on that sunday it was we were in we're supposed to be in there only like for an hour and five minutes and like we ended up being there like for two hours but it was a lit it was a real party and i'm glad that we were able to share with this with y'all for the podcast if you guys weren't on ig live yeah dude i'm just honored that i got to speak to such amazing athletes you know they took out their time of their day they just sit down and talk with me but we we had a lot of we had a lot of fun in there there were definitely some technical difficulties but i mean everyone in the audience was very engaged and supportive and it was a great time from beginning to end and a lot of people after we did this on the ig live came up to me and was just telling me how insightful and how much they learned from it and how like it was just like perfect for the timing yeah i mean yeah, I couldn't do it without my bro, though. I couldn't do it without you, bro. Hey, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Like, this was definitely a collaborative effort. And I'm just, I feel so honored. Even though I wasn't in the IG Live, I was telling Aaron, like, this is the best thing I was been a part of. And I was a part of, we made that Elimination Mile video and Rosie Project almost has 500,000 views. But I feel like this is so much more impactful. This is so much more meaningful. And I feel like it have such a, a bigger impact on people's lives. So I do recommend, like, if you all got a track friend or if you, or just even your uncle or your brother or your sister, but especially somebody that loves running, show them this video and just where they can get a different perspective on track and field athletes and just what we need to do as a track community as a whole to become better, bro. Yeah. And, and on top of that, you know, this is going to, give you a chance to really see how these people feel like in their daily lives and it's going to help you because sometimes i feel like with athletes and celebrities we dehumanize them and mm. that's not cool man yeah. these are real people with real feelings and i think their voices definitely are deserving to be heard and it's impactful when they're heard because people at the same time people can't relate to them they're just like wow i didn't know that stuff would happen to someone like Corey Carter or Raven Rogers, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think that aspect is real is is really cool that that they just came on and they had the strength to to really just share some of the struggles that they had. Yeah, and, thanks again to all those athletes, bro. We really I really did love it, but thank you guys to all you guys that tuned in. And if you're in the IG Live, thank you so much. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much. And we really do encourage for you to share this with somebody, to rate our podcast, to leave a comment on Apple Muse on Apple Podcast, because like we're all here to keep the conversation going. And just before we can end the social injustice, can end the system, systematic racism, and that's why we really put a pause onto our usual podcast because we. Like we said, we were for the culture and we're by the culture. So there's really needs to be a change in our habits. And this is just not something that we're doing in these unfortunate events. This is something that we want to do year round to show our representation. This is what sets us apart. And I just want to thank you for being a part on this journey for sure. Anything you guys saying? We close out, Aaron. Hey, Joshua hit it. Everything on the head. Just make sure. 
go give us a like on instagram give us give us a subscription on youtube um subscribe to the pod rate us and truly man if you stayed all the way to the end of this podcast you are a true homie you are a day one and we'll see you next week on two black Let's get it. Bro, what's he doing, right? <laughs> That's LeBron. That's LeBron. You be doing that. That ain't cool. <laughs> that ain't cool. That ain't cool. <laughs> hey. Peace out, y'all.